James chapter 3, verse 1, and we're just going to read this whole thing. Um, if you've got your Bibles out, uh, we do broadcast it behind, but you know, I love it when I see people reading on your phones, assuming you're not checking this course. Um, and even if you do, I guess, whatever. But, uh, but just I love it when you follow along because God's Word is uh, way more potent and powerful than me and anything I have to say. So if you don't get anything else out of it, you get to see what God's word is is saying and and maybe he wants to speak something to you this morning. Chapter three, verse one. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Which I gotta tell you, when I went to Bible college years ago, I read that verse and said no thank you to being a Bible teacher. And here we are, so... We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never uh, at fault in what he says, then he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or we take ships as example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. This seems kind of bleak, doesn't it? (laughs) Verse 7, it gets better. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this shouldn't be. Can we have both fresh water and salt water from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grape bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And then verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in all the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but earthly It's earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Yes, I told you it would get better. Let's pray. Father, would you give us insight into your um, word this morning and pray that you will speak in spite of me, through me, uh, that you will speak to each of us individually this morning. We come with the expectation of hearing from you this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I was, um, was brushing my teeth and I couldn't figure out why the toothpaste wasn't as minty as I remembered it to be. I brushed for quite a while before I finally put my glasses on and um, 
and yet my teeth no longer itch. So that was <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> I really wish I was making this up. I, uh, the bigger mystery is, uh, so we were living in a home uh, while we're building a house that we've rented from this nice older couple. And it was like 80% furnished, most of our stuff's in storage. And the question that we had at our house was, where did a bottle of jock itch come from? Because I didn't buy it. And Shannon was quite certain that she didn't buy it. So now we don't know the etiquette. Do I tell the guy that I used some of his stuff or do I just let it go? Or we... It took me a while to get over that. <laughs> you can't gargle. And here's the thing, you know, Derek, you talk about brain fog from being a... I think that was a ketogenic moment. I've been, you know, anyway. Um, but it was at the right time because we're talking about the power of the tongue. <laughs> this morning, the power of what's coming in or out of your mouth. Uh, so maybe it was just God allowing that to happen so I could take one for the team and we could have a great mental picture of trying to solve the problem with the right medicine. <laughs> Because I did have a problem. My mouth, you could have literally, it was like, you know, it smelled like a cat. Like I just was dried. But jock itch isn't going to take care of that. I need toothpaste for that. And what James is really unfolding for us is this idea of what your mouth is. You got a problem. Your mouth is a problem. And you need to use the right solution for it. My daughter, uh, Lauren, is, um, you, you, if you don't know Lauren, you do know Lauren because her hair uh, is festive. She's watching some of your babies this morning, and I'm not even sure. There's a color for it, but I don't know what it is. It's a glowy, you know, um, color. What is it? Flame? It's a flame. Very appropriate. Tongue is a fire. When, when Lauren was little bitty, uh, she was as stubborn as any child we've ever seen. I just, but, but not in a throw a tantrum in Walmart kind of way. Not that at all. Very, very calculating. She would uh, thank us for spankings. I'm all better now. That's what she said. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I'm all better. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Back up. <laughs> that's, not what we were that's not what I was going for. <laughs> I've asked, well, let me get the jock itch off the screen while we're at it. Sorry. <laughs> But she was, uh, we actually nicknamed her Lovey, her grandma did, because she was always so kind. And uh, when I would call home, you know, when you call home, if you've traveled with, uh, travel before you call your kids, and for the most part, your kids, you're asking them questions and they're answering. Lauren would always ask me questions. How was your day, Dad? Did you like that? Did you not? You know. And so she was super Lovey, but she was just very purposeful in what she wanted to do and what she wouldn't do. Like, for instance, did you know there was a principal's office in preschool? <laughs> That's true. You would know that. <laughs> I'm describing your child. Um, because she got to go and she would, what she figured out was I don't want to take a nap. And so the way to not take a nap is to roll around and then I get to go see Miss Karen. And Miss Karen talks to me about making good decisions. And I would, you know, when you get home, did you like that? Yeah, it was fun. Um, <laughs> again, not what Miss Karen was going for. And then my, my, uh, my wife, this was before mommy blogs, discovered, uh, what's the, the girl from the Facts of Life? Uh, Blair. Uh, she, she was a, Lisa Welsh, yeah, she, you'd think I would know that, oh, my age. Um, 
But Lisa Welcher had this little blog. It might have, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't blame her. It might not have been her. But the, the idea was, hey, if you take a little bit of vinegar and put it in your child, if you have a strong-willed child, I had the whole James Dobson book and it didn't do anything for me. But that little squirt of vinegar in her mouth was a game changer. <laughs> it, just a little tiny squirt. And I mean, by putting that in her mouth, I could control the whole operation. At that point, she was compliant and I'll do whatever it takes. Just don't ever do Vinegar controlling her little tongue, her little mouth, and could control the whole. Has anybody done that to your children in here? Am I? Should we not admit that? Okay, yeah. Sorry. I don't know. We're old enough to let people come take our children away from us. She, she's like, to this day, I still can't eat vinegar. And it only happened like twice to her. But I mean, after that, even this, the sight of that little uh, dropper thing would, I mean, she was absolutely whatever we needed, when we needed it, however we needed it. Um, with the vinegar. So the point being this, that the power of that mouth of being able to control her uh, is a little bit of where James is saying, look, if you can control the mouth, you can control the whole operation. And in this little passage here, he digs into it. He, and this is the pattern we're going to follow in the few minutes that we have here. The power of words, the poisonous power of words, the positive power of words, and the purification of our words. Like that's, the, that's how we're going to go through this and we're going to just purposefully dig in because the fact of the matter is, is that our words are super powerful. More powerful than I think we even give ourselves credit for or maybe that we even realize that it is. And parenthetically, if you're new to the Bible and you say, yeah, but it doesn't say words. It says tongue. It doesn't say word. The Bible uses the words tongue and language synonymously. Paul would say, I speak with the tongue of angels. In Acts 2, they spoke in tongues. It was just, it was talking about languages that they were talking about. So that's synonymous with that. Your power of your words, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, 21, that not only is it powerful, but that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Which you would think that's a little hyperbolic until you realize that it's really true. He uses these three little metaphors here, just back to back, boom, 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 which I think when you see the Bible making metaphors back to back like that, that means they're really trying, like the Holy Spirit really wants you to get this. So he talks about horses, and if you've ridden a horse, you know that this thousand pound beast can be steered with just a little piece of metal in its mouth that weighs less than a pound. Now, in case you're not a horse person, I guess you guys don't use bits. <laughs> it would be anyway. Um, or not. <laughs> I don't know, I've been thrown from a horse. You steer it with it, but in case you don't like the horse metaphor, he says, well, how about a ship metaphor? It's this giant wind that, that, that powers it, but the rudder helps you to steer it. And if you don't understand that, imagine what a little spark can do to burn down an entire village, to burn down and ruin people's lives and take away their well-being. That's the kind of power that a tongue has. And the reason that I don't think that that's hyperbolic at all is that when God himself created, on the very first page of this book, it says that God spoke, and that's how he created. Now, we're not God, FYI. But when I'm speaking to my wife, when I'm speaking to my children, I am creating a reality for them. And if you don't understand that, what I'm getting at, think of yourself that you are the sum total of all of the words that were or maybe were not 
spoken to you, spoken over you, spoken about you as a child. That when your dad said X to you, that it put something inside of you that changed you. That it put like a, 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 a thing in the code of your operating system. And the negative stuff, doesn't it seem to stick better than the positive? Maybe that's why James spends so much of this. Look, you have power in your words that you don't even understand. When I was growing up, maybe some of you grew up in this kind of an environment, but I grew up in a good Midwestern home where the dad went to work and the mom stayed at home and it was very purposeful. But my dad was a very quiet man, very quiet, very silent And I realized as I got older that what I was defined by a lot in my life was the words that he didn't say, even as much as the words that he did say. That there was power in his speech that he withheld by not speaking. There's power in it even in our own marriages if we're being truthful or untruthful with each other. That those words, if I'm lying, and maybe the other person doesn't even know I've lied to them yet, but I know and this little division starts in them because I'm, I'm trying to remember what I said and I don't want to say it, you know, because words are powerful. Words start wars. Words create. And today the poisonous part of it is right in front of me here in James chapter 3 when he says in verse 8, he says that no human being can tame the tongue. It's a, a restless evil full of deadly poison which probably was maybe James. Sometimes I feel like James is actually just quoting his big brother, Jesus. Because what did Jesus say to the Pharisees? He called them a brood of vipers in Matthew 12. Now, a brood isn't like a viper uh, convention, like a bunch of vipers together. It's like baby snakes. You You are a little pile of baby snakes, baby poisonous snakes. And the thing about baby snakes, have you guys heard this, that a baby snake is more poisonous than an adult snake? It's actually not true. They are every bit as poisonous as an adult snake, but they are not more poisonous. What makes them dangerous is that they don't have any control over their mouth. So they'll just bite, 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 and they will, like an adult knows to hold back some of the venom just in case he needs it again, but the baby doesn't know that. The baby will unload on you and just let every bit of venom it has into you because it's immature and doesn't know. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you are a bunch of baby little snakes. You have no control over your mouth, biting away at it, the poison of it. And the words for us, the question I guess would be, what are the poisonous words then? Like when, when he's talking to the Pharisees, you're baby snakes. What are the words that they were saying? What are the words that we should avoid to be poisonous to each other. The Bible, I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't actually give us a list. And you know why the Bible doesn't give us a list? Because there's a word that in one generation was offensive and then the next generation wasn't offensive. There's a word that maybe it wasn't offensive in this generation, but as you got older, that is offensive. This word is offensive to this culture, not offensive to that culture. So the Bible says we're not giving you any sort of a list. It's going to give us categories. And you can look through James. Remember, James is uh, divided by chapters and verses for us, but not in the original. James just sat down and he wrote a letter. This is all a continuous thought. 
And as you read further into James, in James chapter 5, in verse 9 and in verse 12, those categories are right in front of us. It says in verse 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers. And in verse 12, he says, above all, brothers, don't swear either by heaven or earth, by any oath, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The two categories of words for us that are, that are poisonous, that bring death and destruction, that define a false reality for someone, those poisonous words are untruthful and unloving. In verse 12, he says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. That's Jesus, that's total Sermon on the Mount stuff. If you've been deposed before, if you've been in court and you've had to testify, what'd you have to do? You had to put your hand on the Bible, I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. All I think what Jesus is really just saying is if you're a follower of me, you're under oath all the time. There is no tapping in or tapping out of truth. Truth is a loving thing to do, which is the next thing he says is don't grumble against one another. It's basically, when you talk about these things, unloving and untruthful, it summarizes everything the Bible has to say about poisonous words. Unloving and untruthful. Don't grumble against each other, is what he says. Grumbling against someone else. Ephesians 4.15 actually simplifies it for us. Paul, when he says, just speak the truth in love. So to put it in the positive spin, that's what you do. Speaking the truth in love. Because when we're grumbling against somebody... What we're really doing is I'm creating a reality about that person that may or may not be true. If Art and I are having a conversation, and I'm saying, well, my gosh, you know Jamie. I mean, and I begin to cast this aspersion on Jamie, and Art might be thinking, I thought Jamie was a great guy. I didn't know any of that. And next time Art and Jamie interact, there's a division in there a little bit because now I've planted a seed because what I've spoken into existence was a new reality that may or may not even be true. So to speak and grumbling against each other, there's a reason why gossip is one of the things that God hates. And those seven sins, a tongue, that, a lying tongue that divides the brother, you know what I'm saying? God says, like, I'm going to put that in the top seven. Dave Ramsey uh, organization here in town um, they have a policy about gossiping, about grumbling and complaining, and the policy is this, that if you have a problem, and here's the thing, there's, it's not to say there's never any problems, even in a church, there's plenty of problems. And the truth is, I can give you plenty of stuff that's actually happening to complain about. You don't have to make up new stuff, I'll give you real stuff. But at Ramsey's Corporation, what they say is that grumbling, if you have a problem that needs to be dealt with, you go to the person that can deal with it, that's above you, that can take care of it. Anything else, is considered gossiping and grumbling and creating problems. You get one warning, and that one warning was when you accepted your job offer. <laughs> you have just been warned, and they have a zero tolerance policy of that. And that sounds super harsh, but when you've got a company of 500 people, it's amazing how fast those little seeds can grow and the little grapevine can grow in a negative direction and how a vine that was meant to grow grapes is now growing olives because it was not the way that it was meant to be. In a church environment, it's so easy for us to plant those negative stories about each other. It's usually, by the way, the, the new way that I hear it the most is when you, and uh, forgive me, if, if you've said this out loud and you think, oh, he knows it, I, I don't, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, so just know you're off the hook. You just, you'd be surprised how little word gets back to me. Maybe I'll put it that way. 
But if you've ever said the sentence out loud, whether in your work or to church or whatever, I don't know why we don't just do, and then you insert what it is that you wish that we should do, and you say, well, I'm just asking. You're really not asking, are you, right? That's like a you know, form of a question. You've made a statement. It's a way to begin to create division. And I would encourage us in our small groups, in our families, to take the power. We have a limited amount of words that we get to use in our lifetime. By the way, this is a scientific fact I'm about to give you here, so you can blame science for me. Don't blame Darren. The average male speaks 7,000 words every day. The average female speaks 13,000 every day. Now, again, this is science, but science says that they, they, she doesn't start talking until like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So that's why it feels like, again, that's just science. <laughs> Let me get back to this. The power of positive words. <laughs> that was not positive. When he talks about in verse 17, 18, the, the harvest of righteousness being sown out of it, my challenge for us, for all of us, is to recognize and remember the power that we have in speaking in reality of our friends, our family, and our children. I started doing this a while back. I travel. It's just, this is just a habit that I try to get into, especially if I'm taking a long trip on a plane. I'm sitting there on the runway. So I will try to, I'll text my wife and all four of my children just what's, what I see in them. So I'm, I'm putting words in front of them that I think that you're, you know, you're smart, you're brilliant, you're, I want to have them have those words from me as a gift. In the ancient Jewish culture, fathers speaking over their children, who they, what they saw, if you go back to Genesis and see what, what Jacob saw in his sons, he said, you're a, Joseph, you're a vine crawling over a wall and you're fruitful and you're, he spoke these things over them. So I'm, I just want to say this to fathers in the room right now, don't ever forget the power that you have in those words. You're not just saying kind things, you're creating a reality for your child. And the other side of that is if you use your words negatively over them. But isn't, the good news is, isn't that what the word of God is for? Doesn't it say in Hebrews 4 that it's between, it'll divide between the soul and the spirit? And I think that's important because words, you know the old uh, adage like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a crock. The Bible knows nothing of that. The Bible knows that, hey, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will get to a place in your heart that even sticks and stones cannot reach. Which is why when the Bible, it talks about what it is, sharp as a two-edged sword, it's powerful to divide between the soul and the spirit. Powerful enough that the word of God can then cut away those things that were defining you, that were words that were spoken. That For those of us that feel like I'm on the other side of this, the positiveness of this word and what it can do for your life, which brings me to the last point, which is the purification plan. That there's this poisonous thing that happens in our word. We have the power to be positive with these words and to talk and to speak positively into it. But look, the purification plan of this, I, I, I took a while on this because it feel like James has given us competing plans here. But as I really dove into it and prayed about it, I don't think that's what he's doing at all. He's giving us complementary plans. Now, see if you can see this. At the very beginning, those first few verses, it seems like he's saying, hey, your tongue, just change your tongue and everything will be all right. And then he drops the little, yeah, but nobody can tame the tongue, so you're kind of host. 
that's what it feels like until you read the whole thing. So he's saying, you need to know that your tongue is this powerful, and if you could change your tongue, you could change your life. And then down in verse 12, he talks about the fig tree, my brother's bearing olives and grapevines. He's talking about what Jesus said, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the, the purification plan for our words is you may not be able to tame your tongue, but we can at least corral it. We can literally be proactive and purposeful in what we're saying out loud to corral it. There's a, a world mission uh, organization that has a discipleship program. And part of the program is you have to uh, go for a week not uh, talking bad about anybody and not defending yourself. It's a tongue exercise for a week, like a whole week, all at once. And I'm thinking, how about Monday? Can we just try that? Like, can I get, how about Monday morning? Can we get out of Monday morning traffic without me grumbling about anybody or without me defending myself? The power of that is this, that when I am, the, when I am aware that every time I defend myself, I'm not being truthful, right? I'm spinning the story to be better for me. If I'm defending myself, I'm not necessarily being truthful. If I'm grumbling about someone else, I'm not being loving. It's a tongue exercise, and I would challenge you guys this week to be thoughtful about that, about what you're thinking. And I would challenge you, challenge me, to be very proactive in speaking positive things over somebody. Just pick one person. You know who does this really well and just super naturally natural is Phyllis. I mean, she's, if you don't know Phyllis, I am sad for you. She's like a literal vitamin B12 shot of the Holy Spirit. Whenever she opens her mouth and speaks kindness and kind things, and I challenge you. There is a spiritual gift, by the way, in Romans 12 that is called exhortation. And she might have the supernaturally natural version of that, but we're all challenged to do that, to corral our tongue. And then let the Holy Spirit tame it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That just simply means that what, is, what do you want the most out of your life? Do I want a good reputation? Because if I do, then when you say something to me, I might cut you down because I'm trying to make sure that I get my own self built back up again. What, what is it in my heart that I want the most of exposing that in my heart and letting the Holy Spirit come in and change it? Because there was, he talks about the fires of hell, but he gives us two options, wisdom from God, wisdom from demons. Those are the two options in James 3. But do you remember another time in the Bible where a tongue caught on fire? <laughs> it was Acts chapter two. After they saw the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. The ultimate act of truth and of love. It changed the way they spoke. There was a supernatural thing that happened on that day, absolutely. But they spoke differently the day after that than they did the day before that. The same guy, Peter, who, what, I mean, God, Peter just ran his mouth all the time. Constantly, Jesus like, dude, shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> the same Peter, that, the same mouth that cursed, I don't even know who he is, just a few weeks later, is saying, 
He's standing on a, in, this, in front of the same people that crucified Jesus, the same people that he was hiding and cowering away from. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he spoke differently. He didn't curse on that day. He spoke with courage. And he spoke differently for the rest of his life. You can't tame your tongue. I encourage you to corral it. And I encourage you to allow the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. That's all James is really about, is saying, look, if you believe the gospel, this is how your life will look. If you believe that Jesus died, resurrected on the third day, like he sp- then it changes everything in you, including the way that you speak. Now look, you're gonna go out tomorrow and you're going to blow it. And I'm not talking about stubbing your toe in the middle of the night and using your emergency language. Because isn't that where we want to go if I'm purifying my mouth? I want to, like, you know, I don't want to say that when I stub my toe. That's why the Bible doesn't give a list of words. It gives the heart. It's untruthful and unloving. Tomorrow, you're going to blow it. But I'm so glad that he uses fruit as the metaphor of this. Because a fruit gets better year after year, after decade. I've told you this before, but grapes... The best like, flavor for grapes for wine is 20 years in on a vine. It just takes time. That's why he didn't say, you're the carrots of the Spirit. <laughs> that's as good as they get. <laughs> They're a one-off. The zucchini of the Spirit doesn't really, that doesn't get any better. But he uses fruit. Because he talks about you that are sowing after Peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. So this week, why don't we go sow some good seeds and words? If you're a parent, you have a perfect place to start. Start with your children. If you're married and you have children, start with the way you're talking to each other. What a great way to sow peace and to speak positively. It's a great gift we can give our, spouse, our children through our spouses to love our spouse as well. And if you don't have a spouse and you're a single mom or if you're in a situation where you can't, there are places right now where you can begin to speak positively. Create with your mouth a reality for your, those around you that is true and loving. And I think maybe some of you guys, maybe you need to start with yourselves that the words that you're speaking to yourself, your self-talk, who would you let talk to your wife that way? Nobody. So why are you talking to you, letting her talk to herself that way? You know what I mean? You, maybe you start with yourself and your own self-talk. Let the Spirit lead. Those are just some ideas. But let the Spirit lead. And let us be a church full of people that are just known for the good grapevine. I'm talking positively about people. Talking truth and love about people, that we could be known for that, knowing each other for that. Would you stand and let's pray. Lord, I'm uh, keenly aware that I can't tame this big fat mouth of mine, but I'm Super grateful that your spirit can and will tame it for me. 
Lord, give us the courage to speak this week in ways that we maybe are afraid to say the truth. Give us the courage to risk rejection, and but to speak your truth in love and let those be the words of life that we might extinguish the fire of hell from our mouths and reignite it with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.